So it's the end of the 2022 NFL season, and your favorite football team is walking off the field. Maybe it's here in Pittsburgh, maybe it's somewhere else. They're hanging their heads. They're all down, and so are you. But you say to yourself, you know what? That was okay. That was okay. I am okay with what I just went through with that team this fall and winter. What does that look like to you? What is that scenario? Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. Not coincidentally, I offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Hope you'll check those out as well. It's not the easiest question to answer, even if you just ask it of yourself. Because let's get this all out in the open here. This team's not winning the Super Bowl, okay? They're also not going 0-17. The truth is going to be somewhere in the middle. And if your expectations are really low, and I know a lot of fans who, by the way, do this on purpose, where they go all fatalistic, oh, this team's going to stink. It's going to be terrible. I have no positive thoughts at all about this. People do that as a defense mechanism because this way they're not disappointed. They, they're not uh, going to let themselves down because they start off down. Okay, This actually happens all the time. But most, I don't think, are like that. Most sports fans in general feed off hope. Uh, they embrace hope. If they're following a team for which they have no actual hope, they're probably not following that team for very long. They find something else to do to occupy their time and their emotions. So in this exercise, I'm not even asking you to dream big. I'm not asking you to, to get stupid here and say that you know they're going to make it to the conference championship game and they're going to threaten for it. Come on. Okay. There's just way too many variables. The team is way too young, especially on the offensive side of the football. And even on defense, there's still a fair amount of uncertainty, in particular Devin Bush's status. To me, this team looks and feels from a record standpoint similar to the one from last year, 9-7-1, and one, meaning they had some things go their way, especially in the fourth quarter, in large part because of the quarterback who's going to be wearing a yellow jacket soon. But there are also areas where the team is clearly improved significantly in some places. So is that something that just kind of wipes out the Ben comeback effect? You know what I mean? Like it negates it? Or is it possible for this team to be better? What's the thing that even when they lose their final game, that they play in the coming season, optimally in the playoffs, that you'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Team got a little bit better. I'm, I'm hoping for something even better next year. What is that? For me, for me, I've got that answer. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how You'd prefer to do that studying 
Whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. It's a really simple answer, too. And some of you might not like it because it sounds like setting an unfairly low bar on the head coach. And you know who you are if you attach absolutely everything about this team to the head coach. Win a playoff game. Now, I don't say that for the purposes of breaking the streak or ending a narrative so that the Tomlin bashers can have one on the Tomlin apologists or any of that nonsense. I say it because if you win a playoff game in the National Football League, you are one of only eight teams left standing. Beginning and end of my point. It means that you'll have done enough over the course of a regular season to qualify for playoffs, to put yourself maybe even in a good position, a good seating, entering the playoffs, maybe having home field. And then you win the first playoff game. And after that, it's just you and seven others. And suddenly, your team that just barely, with all kinds of help, squeaked into the playoffs the previous year with the Canton-bound quarterback, pretty much on the back of the Canton-bound quarterback, you took another step. You went forward with one of the younger rosters in the league. And you went from being a team that was right around in the mid-20s overall in the 32-team league, all the way up to number eight. And here's where I don't care about regular season rankings. If you make it through the first round of playoffs, you're one of the eight. You are at least, at worst, the eighth best team in the league. You know what else you did? You proved a whole lot of people wrong. You cost a whole lot of betters a whole lot of money, meaning with this 7.5 wins over under that's still on the table. And in all likelihood, along the way, you were led by young players. It's unfathomable to me that the Steelers would succeed, for example, without Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth having significant strides forward in their second years, or without George Pickens playing a major role in the offense, maybe not right away, but soon enough, or without the younger half, if you want to call it that, the left side of the offensive line, figuring some stuff out. And that doesn't mean just Dan Moore. I'm also talking about Kevin Dotson. I don't expect Kendrick Green to be the guy to beat out Dotson. I think Moore and Dotson, if they advance, if they move upward the way you want them to, that bodes really well for this team for a while. And the same obviously goes for the other guys that I mentioned and a few others I could add. But you know what would really do it? Oh, man, I can't believe I'm going to do this. But you know what would really do it? You know what would really have everybody feeling at the end of a season like this that the future is super bright? Yes, I'm going to go there. It would be if Kenny Pickett was the quarterback at that point. And it would be if Kenny Pickett was the guy who got them to this level. Because the image that already exists in this city 
not without cause, is that Pickett is a guy who's immune to the circumstances around him, meaning that the pit program was never anything particularly special, and that he's a winner, and he's going to lead you to winning just the way he did with the Panthers in winning the ACC, something that had been seen ever since they entered the conference as borderline impossible. So there, I got you a playoff win, and I got you Kenny Pickett as the guy who engineered it. That good enough? That good enough for 2022? When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from Jacob, who asks, is it me or does Alex Highsmith not seem like the typical Pittsburgh Steeler? He doesn't have a mean streak, and he's way too quiet. You know, Jacob, there's a part of me that's with you on this, because I'm pretty sure I know what you're referencing here, particularly when it comes to edge rushers. The Steelers just came off having a bookend duo of T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. And in Bud's last year in Pittsburgh, before the injury, you saw mayhem. I wouldn't call either of them, you know, mean or dirty or whatever or anything like that. Not that you did. I'm just saying. But there was a, a rabidity to what they were doing and how they did it. When they were on, particularly in those final couple of seasons when they were together, it felt like there was no opponent that had an answer for it. You know what I mean? Uh, if you go back to some of those matchups, and I remember this when I'd be preparing uh, to cover a game that week and I'd be going through the other team's offensive line and it would be, boy, these guys haven't given up any sacks to anybody uh, they haven't even given up any quarterback hits or pressures. They're allowing their guy all kinds of time back there. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, are they not going to have that luxury this coming week? They just aren't. And they didn't. There was no answer for it. There was no gimmick that anyone could concoct to try to protect their quarterback when both of these guys were coming the way they did. And specifically related to Bud, Bud would do it with those super crazy long arms flailing all over the place. It just looked like he was like a an, a hungry dinosaur coming in, swooping onto his prey. Very different than the TJ approach of being really mechanical and quick, the shortest possible distance, using his moves, using his smarts. Bud was just like, destroy! And it was just a great overall vibe between the two of them. So Highsmith comes along. 
And he's not that guy. He's not of that visible temperament. Highsmith works on his craft. He works passionately. He learns not just from his coaches, but also from TJ. TJ was someone who worked a lot with Bud. TJ's doing the same thing with Alex. And Alex might be even quieter in his pursuit of the quarterback than either of the other two. Meaning with Highsmith, if you look at the 14 tackles for loss, the six sacks, whichever one of those you want to break down uh, from his 2021 season, you're going to see a straight, boring line more often than not. You'll see a spin move maybe lead to it, but you're not going to see something that's super fancy. He might delay his timing and then go get his guy, but it's not going to be something that comes across as, uh, what was the word you used? Mean. You know, and you're also not going to see him, by the way, get up and do some great big sack dance. He'll celebrate. He'll celebrate. He'll let everyone know it was him. But it's not going to be one of those, you know, the TJ high kick or something. Or Bud, Bud would just kind of basically spaz out. He never had an orchestrated celebration. And I remember teasing him about this more than once. He would just kind of go into the backfield and go, I'm supposed to be happy or something and just kind of you know, bounce all over the place for a little bit and then go back to the huddle and realize this was just a waste of time. But Alex isn't that guy. I'm going to say this again. 14 tackles for loss, six sacks, 15 quarterback hits, which is an impressive number in and of itself, 46 solo tackles. That last number is not something to sneeze at. Because more often than not, that's going to be the result of sealing the edge on the rush. One of the things that I learned from James Harrison whenever he was in a docile enough mood to get philosophical with me was that you can be a super spectacular edge rusher and pile up all your sacks and get all your glory and get all your highlights and everything else here. But if you're exposed on the run, if you're not sealing the run on your side, you're not going to be piling those sacks up for very long because now you're just going to be chasing a running back all the time. And running after the QB is going to look even sillier. Highsmith knew this. Even as a rookie, he was aware of it and talking about it. And he's really matured in that regard, which is pretty impressive considering that he came from a small college program at Charlotte. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening the Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 